This is Anthems. Hello. My name is Ryan Lange, and my pronouns are he, him. I'm a cultural producer, TV presenter, and the founder of Hungama, East London's queer alternative Bollywood night. Your word of the day is elephant. What does it mean to have an elephant in the room? We as queer people have managed to understand our connection to this animal being in rooms at a very, very young age. Being in the closet, being non-binary, being different, being yourself. These are all elephants in the room. The expression the elephant in the room is a metaphorical idiom in English for an important topic, question, or controversial issue that is obvious and that everyone knows about but no one wants to mention, discuss, or talk about because it makes us feel uncomfortable personally, socially, politically. It could be embarrassing, controversial, inflammatory, or dangerous. It's based on the idea that something as conspicuous as an elephant can appear to be overlooked in a social setting around a lot of people when sociologically and psychologically is actually repression operating on a macro scale. As a young Hindu Punjabi boy growing up in Vancouver, Canada, I didn't have one elephant in the room. I had two. One was my queerness, and the other Ganesh, a Hindu deity who had an elephant head. Like all gods in the Hindu pantheon, Ganesh has a mythological origin. He is the son of Shiva and his consort Parvati, both of human form, and yet he bears the head of an elephant. The reason for this closely follows his birth, or more appropriately, his creation. He was not born to Parvati as a mere mortal. It is said that she was lonely. Shiva was away, as often was the case, and in her loneliness it appears she was given to neglect personal hygiene, or maybe it was an act of pure desperation and determination, but she decided to create a child and did this by forming him, Ganesh, through molding substantial amounts of dirt and her body. And so Ganesh was born, and Parvati was happy and occupied. The story goes that one day, while Parvati was having a bath, Shiva came home, but when he attempted to enter the house, he was met with resistance, in the form of a boy named Ganesh. Neither of them knew that they were related. Shiva got angry not being allowed in and dealt with the situation by chopping off Ganesh's head. And it was at that moment that Parvati came out to find that Shiva had decapitated her son. She was inconsolable, but managed to tell Shiva that the boy, whose head that was cut off, was in fact his son. And angry and upset at the hash that he'd made of the situation, he decided to fix it. He went out and hunted the first animal he saw and brought back its head to replace the boys. That is how Ganesh has an elephant head. I used to stand in front of Ganesh as a child and was constantly reminded that he was a remover of my obstacles. This Hindu god, this deity, this myth stared back at me, his eyes soulless but full of supposed power and capability. We weren't so different, him and I, albeit he had the head of a mammal, but he wasn't much taller than I was at that age. The only difference, that he was on a shelf, and he was something I knew my mom would revere and protect at all costs. As a child, I used to be forced to pray on certain days, especially during auspicious ones, and it was his name that I had to repeat And as his name was embedded in my breath, I would wonder how he was going to remove my internal angst 
when I know he would never stand a chance at dancing to the beat of my drum and facing the challenges ahead of my life. My feet hurt standing in front of that cupboard. We were in the corner of the upstairs empty bedroom that we called the games room, where I would sit on a beanbag every day watching Jurassic Park after school. But today, I had to stand and I had to pray. I stood praying and I had to say his name 108 times, which is considered an auspicious number in our culture. I would stare at the fresh flowers and fruit laid before him and that were being blessed and the smell of the food my mom had cooked slowly downstairs would veil us as my calves ached and my stomach rumbled. My mom could tell I was being impatient, so she'd give me a glare as she repeated the mantra. Om Kam Ganapati Namo Namaha Om Kam Ganapati Namo Namaha Om Kam Ganapati Namo Namaha 108 times. 108 times! She made me keep up with her. What did I pray for? From a very young age, I knew I was different. I knew I wasn't like my other cousins. And I used to pray for that feeling to go away. I used to pray for forgiveness for my queerness and I wanted it removed. I wished the insurmountable obstacle ahead was something Ganesh would tap me on the shoulder from behind, smile and remove with ease like poo from Kabikushi Kabigam. If not, I would of course have to find a way to exile myself because I couldn't for the life of me find the power to imagine my destiny on the other side of it. All of this in my head as a child standing in front of an elephant. After 30 odd years of keeping him adorned in my doorways, a shrine on my table and in my living room, he hasn't helped me remove my burdens at times, but he's acted as a beacon of hope and ability deep within me. I remember when I was deeply hungover, I had him tattooed on my solar plexus. Bad idea, I know. It was one of the most painful things I've ever experienced. It's one of the most painful places to also get inked. It's where all of your internal synapses and nerves come together and create your power. I screamed. I don't know why, but I needed to put him where the pain was. I needed to keep him going. And I was going through my pain and each needle poke by poke was bringing this energy of not prayers, but myself into this physical world. I realize now, Ganesha was nothing but me. I removed my obstacles. I was a mythology. I was my reality. And I was my imagination. I didn't just remove the elephant in the room. He was never an obstacle. I learned to love him, feed him, cherish him, and accept him as a part of me and a part of my story and power. Did you know that over 19 Hindu deities are trans and non-binary? Many Hindus focus upon impersonal absolute Brahman, which is a genderless idea. Other Hindu traditions conceive God as bigender, both male and female. It's interesting that our religion doesn't allow us to pray to a, a non-binary deity. It has to either be male or female, but most of them were non-binary. I think it's time that whether you believe in Hindu gods or your own spiritual path or religion, that as a queer person that we create our own ideas of holiness, our own ideas of God, and they should start within us. Let's recreate them with queer power and campery. Let's adore them with jewels. And even if we want them to be representations of us or things that give us power, maybe an elephant. I want this chapter for our community to be seen as a rebirth for our people who are not divided by segregation, but connected through endless possibility of coming together as one queer one. Because celebrating who you are has bestowed amazing moments for you, for me, that we will cherish forever. We just have to remember to see those. Within you, within your authenticity of who you are, you should never be hiding in front of a pear cupboard or an elephant 
but celebrated by something that forever evolves and gets more elaborate, real, and queer. So remember, there is no elephant in the room. There's only you and your power. So never forget that. Elephant. Noun. Definition. A very large plant-eating mammal with a trunk, long curved ivory tusks, and large ears. Native to Africa and Southern Asia. The largest living land animal. <laughs> 